Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is something that always is on my heart. And it's really about living a lifestyle of love. There are three things that I have come to learn, and I really believe that these are, the, are very much the core of who I am and the core message of what I believe. There's three things God calls us to do. Love him, love the church body, love one another. And as we go, love the world and make disciples. And I want to share a little bit more about that with you today. We have a mission as the body of Christ. Everything we do is because it comes from a love of God first. That is the foundation of who we are. Our foundation is upon the love of Jesus, our love for him, because he loved us first. We sang about that this morning. You're you're running after me? Jesus ran after us and caught us. We caught hold of him, but he caught hold of us, and that love is so intense. Love for God is the foundation from which all life flows. In Matthew 22, there was a story where Jesus is teaching among the crowd. He's teaching among Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, those guys are like the leaders. They know everything, right? And they were almost acting like, has anybody seen a four-year-old ask, why, 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 a million and one times over and over? Or anybody ever dealt with a teenager who's like, yeah, you don't know anything, mom or dad? Well, that's how the Sadducees and Pharisees were acting in this thing. They were, they were testing him on everything Jesus said. And if we look at verse 34, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, I'm sure right there and then they were thinking, Oh, yeah, Jesus. They gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him, Jesus, a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, I did look up the Greek just for those of you who enjoy doing that, and the Hebrew for the word all. Guess what it said? All means all. Yeah. And I seriously did look it up on the internet because I wanted to make sure that was right. But the verse, and in verse 38, we also read, this is the first and greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. The first and greatest commandment. The foundation from which all life flows. The same commandment was given in Deuteronomy 6, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The commandment given to the Israelites so long ago is the same commandment we have today, to love God with all we are. That commitment to Jesus is built on the foundation of love, Our commitment is built on that foundation of love. But what does that commitment look like? God is our priority. 
in Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Lately, we've been talking a lot about covenant. And if any of you have missed some of those teachings that Pastor Robert has given, you can catch them on the podcast. But if we belong to Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. How can we not but give ourselves fully to him? It's that love covenant that we've been talking about that's so profound that is the foundation of everything that flows from us. Love him wholly. To love God is to worship and praise him. Is that novel and new to anybody? Probably not. However, it's the foundation of what we can do to express our love to Jesus. Out of Matthew, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him, yes, Jesus Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have ordained praise or have called forth praise? I chose this passage for a reason. You know, sometimes we as adults kind of get stuck in a rut or we think, oh, worship is for us. Worship is for everyone in the body of Christ. Young, old, everyone, every tongue, every tribe, every nation is going to be before the throne of the king when we get to heaven someday. Why not start here on earth? Every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every people group, even the children. And we need to remember that. All of us can praise and worship the Lord. It isn't limited. We we haven't cornered the market on it as adults. We just think we're better sometimes. Let me tell you, I have been around children in a kid's camp one time years ago up in New Hampshire. I saw children weeping when the Lord touched them. I saw them receive healing. I saw them know that God is calling me to be a missionary someday in my life. And starting at that moment, at seven, eight, nine years old, it's profound. Children who have been before the Lord and seen visions. Children have seen angels singing in our midst. Children are as viable part of the body of Christ as are we. I think sometimes we need to be more like them. Anybody think that too? Watch a child someday and let's imitate them in worship. Desire him. Yearn for God's righteousness. This is all part of how we can build that foundation. Out of Psalm 42, as the the deer pants for water, So pants my soul for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. We're also build our foundation by sitting at his feet and reading his word and listening to his voice. Be like Mary of Bethany who sat before the Lord when he came to visit. If you remember the story of Martha and Mary, where she, Martha, who had the sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, and she was not that happy about it. But when she sat at the Lord's feet, Jesus told her, she's chosen the better part. Be like Mary. Sit at the Lord's feet, even if it's a few minutes a day. It doesn't matter how long. You know, God can multiply the time. Just take the time. Read his word. 
Silence your soul. Listen to his voice. Do you know the Holy Spirit is always speaking? It's just us who need to be listening. So really, I challenge you, sit before the Lord. Be like Mary. Put down the Martha things. We all know that we've got our lists. I do all the time. A lot of them, actually. And just take that time to be like Mary. To love God, this is a big one, is to obey him. See, it's not enough to just listen. We have to obey. If you tell your kids to make their bed, and they're like, yep, mom, I heard you. But they never get it done. They're not being obedient. If you ask somebody to do something for you, like, can you go to the store and get me some milk? Oh, sure, I'll take care of that for you. But they never go, and they never get the milk. You're stuck doing it yourself. God wants us to be obedient. He wants us to follow him, to listen to his voice, but also to obey what he commands. In John 15, 9 to 11, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, there's an action in there, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Do you catch that? In obedience, there's a fullness of joy. Sometimes it might be hard. I'm not going to lie. Who likes to be told what to do? I'm kind of like one of those rebellious persons, if I'm honest. I don't like to be told what to do. I want to tell others what to do. I have no problem with that. But man, when you tell me I have to do something, ooh, it kind of gets on my bad side. But to obey is the fullness of joy. Therefore, it's only to my benefit that I'm obedient, and especially that I'm obedient to what Jesus says. So it's really important. Our obedience deepens our love for the Lord. Our obedience leads us to love people. Our obedience leads us to love one another. And we're talking about a lifestyle of love. In John 13, 34, one of the things we've been doing lately is we are part of a connect group. And I'm going to pull in an unashamed or plug for small groups. If you are not part of a connect group, I really encourage you to be in relationship with people in a connect group. There is a lot of growth and a lot of love and encouragement. Just so much that comes out of it. I can't even explain it. But I will say, last week, Heather shared a testimony that Pastor Robert shared in his message. That is the outcome of Connect Group. It's a deep relationship with one another, a deep love relationship in which we learn and grow together. And one of the things our group has been doing is working through the book of John. We take a chapter every week, and we just study it on our own, and we share what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us in those passages throughout the week. So I'm going to share one that I had that really hit me. John 13, I'm sorry, John 15, no, let me, I got it backwards. John 13, 34. In this verse it says, I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. And you're probably thinking, okay, that's really simple. Why was that so profound? 
here's what I discovered when I was reading that. It's powerful because Jesus isn't saying in this, this part of Scripture, love as you love yourself. He's saying, love others as I love you. Jesus' love is so much greater than my love could ever be. It's perfect. His love is perfect. His love is unbiased. His love doesn't care what race you are. His love doesn't care if you like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or not. His love doesn't care if you live in the north or the south. His love doesn't care whether you can speak, whether you can hear, whether you can see. His love is unbiased. It's pure. It's holy. And what I learned when I read that scripture is that's the way I'm supposed to love people. And guys, I'm going to tell you right now, I am not there yet. I have biases. I have opinions. And sometimes I just have to really work with the Lord to overcome those things because I can get very critical, very easy. And I'm just being perfectly honest with you. God is working on me in that because he wants me to love others the way he loves them. Being part of the family of God, we're called to love one another deeply to that extent. We are called to be committed together in community life. You might not like me, but you're called to be committed to me. And guess what? We can grow together in love. Jesus' love. What does life together really look like? In Acts 2.42, this is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. It says, In the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many signs and wonders were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That is huge. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This devotion to community and the people of God is so intense. Does anybody agree? I mean, look at it carefully. They cared for the needs of one another so profoundly. They sold possessions to give to the needs of the people. That is that is just astounding to me. I mean, I hold on to stuff too tightly. And I really need to look. How can I meet the needs? When we have a hurting member in our body, do we go and comfort them? When we hear somebody's sick, do we help them out? What do we need to do? How do we need to change in order to make our life together really a testimony of Jesus' love among us? In community, that's what we do. One of the things that we recently had was a Thanksgiving meal. And I'm going to tell you, I went to David and Krista's with my husband, and we had a couple people in the back row over there who were there, as well as their next-door neighbor, Lacey. 
That was the most profound gathering I have ever had with this group of people. The food was good. It was good. But guys, the fellowship was amazing. There were life shared at the table. I have, and it was in a way that I had never experienced with this group of people before. It was deep. It was sincere. People were sharing from their hearts. We broke bread together and, care, and shared communion together. And as part of that, David and Krista said one of their traditions at Thanksgiving is to give thanks for what the Lord has done in their life. It went way beyond people sharing what they were thankful for. I was probably the lamest one, to be honest with you. I, I said thank you for my husband, who we had just celebrated an anniversary, which is not lame, but it's a lot more shallow than anybody else at the table went. I heard the depths of hearts that you can only hear when you're living life together. It was so amazing. We came the next day, and I told Pastor Robert, oh, man, I have to tell you what we had. We had this awesome time of sharing. I didn't go into specifics. It was just the heart that we had at the table was just amazing. And I said, we just shared one another's hearts. And I said, I just have to tell you, that was so awesome. Well, Krista came into the room, and he said, so... He said, oh, Catherine and I are just talking about what she thought was really great about last night. And he started to tell her, and he said, no, wait, I'm going to stop. What was it for you? Guess what she said? The sharing that happened around the table, the depth of love that was demonstrated at that meal. That's living life together. And it goes way beyond that. But how do we help one another? How do we share life together? How do we care for one another's needs? Examine ourselves and really think about that. Geographically, we're all spread out, right? But how many of us have technology in which we can stay connected, like cell phones? I've got most of your numbers in here. Do I ever call you? I know I text the worship team like crazy, and they probably think, here she goes again. But, <laughs> but it's really life together. It's important. And also, just being able to send a card to somebody. We have technology that they never had back in the early church. But it's the same life together that we're called to live. You know, when you have a need, people know to call you when you're living this kind of life. I have a friend who's in Minnesota. And while she's far away, yes, when she got sick one time, she called me and said, hey, I've got this really bad doctor's report. I'm scared. And I said, look, Christine... Let me, you know, here's how I always preface when I'm talking to somebody who's not a believer yet. You know I believe in God. I, <laughs> I always just say that because I feel the need to justify what I'm going to say next. I said, can I pray for you? And can I pray for you right now? So on the phone, in the grocery store, I prayed for her. Guess what happened? I, and I know it's probably was already going to happen anyway, but... It's just the opportunity to reach out in this kind of way. The next day, she called me and said, Catherine, guess what? The doctor read the report wrong, and the cancer isn't there. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, Christine, that's awesome. Thank God. That's all I had to say. She knows. It's living life in community with you, though, that gives me the strength to reach out to other people. And I want to put that on to the next thing. You have a purpose in the body of Christ, specifically in this body. 
You and I are not here by accident. Dave and I are in North Carolina, coming from Maine, then New Hampshire. So we are native New Englanders. We're not here by accident, nor are any of you. Are there any transplants in the room, like people not native to North Carolina? Okay, there's a few of us. You are not here by accident. God has a plan and a purpose for every person in this body. We need to understand that. We were actually, Dave was actually here before me. He moved down before me. And when he was visiting a bunch of different Foursquare churches in the area, he met a man who used to be part of Gastonia, who has since passed away, Aaron Hicks. And Aaron went up to Dave when he was in the Belmont Church and said, you know, there's this little church in Gastonia that I think you could help out at. Okay, that was 12 years ago now, Dave, maybe a little longer. And guess where we have been planted? Here. The Lord calls us, just like the body, to each fulfill our part. Let's look at Romans 1, I mean, 1 Corinthians 12. Man, sorry for that. That was weird. 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to go verses 12 to 28. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit, has many parts. And all parts of the body are one body. Even though there are many, we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, we are all given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because, well, I'm not an eye. Does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted. You and I have a purpose for being here. Do you know what it is? It's something we need to grapple with the Holy Spirit and ask him, what do you want me to do as part of this body? Lakeshore Christian Fellowship, Gastonia, has a reason for being here. There are 70,000 people plus out there. We're on mission together, and guess what? There's a lot of people out there that Pastor Robert can't hit, can't touch, can't meet the needs of without the body of Christ. Each of us, as a church body, our mission is to help people become disciples of Jesus Christ in such a way, see if this sounds familiar, that God's love is confirmed, hope is renewed, and faith comes to life. That's our mission, people. We are not here by random choice. We are here on purpose, and God has put us on mission together. So be fully committed. That's a tough one. When you talk commitment, man, you are talking deep level stuff. And it is hard. I'm not going to, I'm just going to say, in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We need each other. We need to be together in fellowship. We need the relationships and the strength that come from one another. We need the exhortation. I need the gifts that you have. You need the gifts I have. Together we're a body. God has put us here. We're on a mission, on a purpose in this community as a family of God. That brings us to the next one. We are on mission together. So first of all, get planted, get rooted, and then reach out. In Matthew 28, probably a very familiar passage for all of us. Go, therefore, action word, go, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's a big world. Huge. And the body of Christ is needed to fulfill God's mission on this earth. I really believe that God is looking for a great harvest. He is not interested in just a little tiny pocket of people who believe in him. When in Luke 10:2 it says the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest field. We are that laborer. We are the ones to go into the harvest field and in that it said the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people ready to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They're ready to hear your story. They're ready to hear my story so that they too can become his disciples, his followers. And like I said, there's 70,000 plus people in the Gaston County area. And Pastor Robert can't hit them all. I I interact with people that he's never going to because of the circle of relationships I have. You interact with people that He's never going to because of the circle of relationships you have. We need to love those who are far from God with the love that Jesus has for them. We are called to partner with him as he advances his kingdom on the earth. In John 3, 16 to 17, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus gave up his very life because of love. His love for all the world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Anybody remember that scriptures? We were sinners and Christ died for us. There are sinners in the world. Christ died for them. We are his hands and feet in the world and we need to be the messengers of good news in the world. We are on mission as a people of God. 
And we want all the world to be saved, not just a little pocket. The harvest is plentiful. Yes, the laborers are few, but the laborers are mighty in God. And the laborers together as a, knit, as a community knit and rooted in Christ are powerful. In Romans 10, I'm going to read 8, uh, 13 to 15. But if you want to, read Romans 8. And in particular, from 8 to 15, it's really a good section of the, to lay hold of. But 13 to 15 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring tidings of good things. Preacher is a big word that everybody gets scared of because we equate it with the person who stands up before hundreds of people and gives a message of God. No, 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 no. I like the word messenger. Because we are all messengers filled with the Holy Spirit, God's love, his message for the world. You are his message. I'm his message. We are, in fact, the sent ones. We are the sent ones that Jesus has put here now in this world to reach out and touch others with the Holy Spirit working through us so that we can bring that great and mighty harvest on the day of resurrection. When Jesus looks out and we stand before him, he says, the harvest was plentiful and look at the harvest that you reaped for my glory. Wow, I want to be that person. Anybody else want to be there on the judgment day? Yeah, I bet you do. Let me tell you, there are people who I'm never going to reach. Just going to say it. Billy's a biker. Marsh is a biker. Guess what? They've got a biking community. They are ne- they're going to reach. I am never going to. Do I look like a biker? I've ridden on the back of a motorcycle before, and that's about as far as I've gotten. <laughs> but they have a community of people that they are going to be able to reach in the world that perhaps you and I never will. There's a bunch of technology people in here. Raise your hand if you're in technology. Guess what? You've got those educated types that some of the other people are never going to be able to reach. There's a harvest of technology people waiting for you to reap the harvest. There's people who are in the medical profession. They're going to have an opportunity to pray for the sick so that the Lord can reach out and heal them and minister Christ's wholeness to them. Joni's in real estate. She's got a group of people we're never going to see. She gets to go into their homes. That's huge. She can minister in ways that you and I can never minister because of the outreach that she has, even within the scope of her career. And that's how the Lord has placed us in the body. He knows what is needed to reach the community. We just have to be open to hearing the Holy Spirit as, as we go to those people who are already asking questions. They're there. They're among us. Let me just share a quick story about what I call my life as Lucy. Anybody seen the Peanuts cartoon where Lucy's out there, she's got a little stand, and everybody comes to her with her problems? 
Okay, her whole purpose for doing that was nickels. I used to work at a sporting goods store. Well, actually, I was, I was in technology too, but I worked in the sporting goods company. And in my little cubicle, I had a chair. I was the only person who had a chair in their cubicle. But that chair was always being filled with people who came to me with questions. For example, a great friend of mine, Brian, used to come and sit in my chair. We would have spiritual discussions. Now, let me tell you, Brian was a Jehovah's Witness. I would share my faith with him because, see, when I was a teenager, I knew somebody who had become a Christian after being a Jehovah's Witness. I didn't know a lot about Jehovah's Witnesses, but I knew that if they could become Christians, Brian could become a Christian. So he would sit in my chair, and guess what we would talk about? The things of God. I would have people come and sit in my chair who wanted advice about life. I didn't have advice. I was young myself, but I would pray for them. Take the opportunities that present themselves to you and ask the Lord. When somebody's asking you questions, point them to Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them your story and what God's done in your life. And evangelism can look pretty easy at times. For example, I've been in grocery stores where people just need help putting things in their car, and I'm available to them. Two times this happened to me. They were older women who had had hip surgery, and they weren't even supposed to be lifting. And I just walked up to them and said, can I help you put those in your car? And they're like, looking at me at first thinking, is she going to steal my groceries? But I had two kids with me at the time, and I'm sure they thought no, because I couldn't deal with that and stealing from her. But <laughs> I took the groceries and I put them in her car and she said, thank you. I just had hip surgery. I'm not even supposed to be lifting more than five pounds. So I said, let me just pray for you quick, and then was on my merry way. A little opportunities, but it was still planting seeds, evangelism, in my form of evangelism at that time. Let the Lord use you the way that, in where you, wherever you are now, and in the way that he wants to, because the relationships around you need you. The people in this community in Gaston County need us, the body of Christ. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up as we get ready to close. I have one final scripture in John 17, verses 20 to 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Love God, the foundation from which all life flows. Love others. Ask the Lord to knit you into the body of Christ so that you can fulfill the purpose that he has for you here in this place. And love others as you go Make disciples, share what Jesus has placed within your heart, and help them to come to know Jesus as well. Why don't we stand up? I do not pray, Father, for these alone. Lord God, as you said, you pray that for those who will come to know you through our words. And so, Father, 
I just pray that you would empower us, Lord Jesus, to be your hands and feet. Father, give us the strength to sit before your feet, to know you more, Lord God, to give ourselves to you wholly and fully, to surrender all that we are before you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father God, that you would just give us the strength to really be knit into this body. Give us a vision for your body, Lord God. Give us a heart to be part of your people, Lord, to be the hands and feet in the world, to see that harvest as, as you spoke about to, coming in to reap that harvest, Lord. Let us be part of that. Give us an excitement about what you're doing in the world today, Lord Jesus. And Father, as we go, let us be the tools that you use to make disciples in this day and time. Father, we honor you and we bless you. We thank you that you have called us to this place, Lord God, that you have called us to be your people and that you have us planted here for a purpose and a plan to be and live a lifestyle of love to all around us. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.